2: Everybody, Eric Bischoff here. And have you heard about Strictly Business? Strictly Business is a brand new weekly series exclusively on adfreeshows.com. Join me and my co host, John Elba, every Tuesday as we take a deep dive into the business of the professional wrestling business. And this is some straight up business talk here, no fanboy nonsense. We discuss television contracts, advertising, licensing, and, of course, the highly debated ratings. So if you want an unfiltered, brutally honest, anti-fanboy understanding of the professional wrestling industry, well, Strictly Business is the series for you. And hey, if Elon Musk likes my tweets, and he did, you're going to love Strictly Business. Sign up now and listen at adfreeshows.com.
1: <laughs>
0: Do you love wrestling podcasts but hate all the ads? Well, you can get all the great podcasts early and ad free at adfreeshows.com. It only starts at nine bucks a month, but you get exclusive series at adfreeshows.com, like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and tons more, and a chance to interact with your favorite podcast hosts every month. See for yourself why thousands of other wrestling fans say adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Adfreeshows.com. If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? Savewithconrad.com can help. And you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson. And you're listening to 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff, Eric. What's going on, man. How are you? Perfect. Just perfect. I'm super excited about today's episode. I love watching old nitros with you. And today's is a pretty special one. It's going down from Boston on June 9th. This show broke all the WCW attendance records. We had a sellout. 18,003 fans in the building. 16,025 of those were paying fans. The gate was $243,946. The previous record was 17,331, and that was from January in Chicago for Nitro. The company gate record was 224 for the Halloween Havoc event in Las Vegas. In 1996. So you've set a bunch of records here, but let's process this. As long as W stubby's been around at this point, you broke all the attendance records right here on a random nitro in Boston. And in the previous gate record, you broke that too. And this isn't Halloween havoc. This isn't Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage. It's a regular freaking Monday in Boston. That's how hot the product is. And of course, after the match or after the show. There's going to be some backstage news with Mr. Kevin Nash and Mr. Roddy Piper. So much to unpack. If you haven't already fire up your peacock, watch along with us. This is going to be season three, episode 23. once again, that's season three, episode 23, June 9th, 1997. But Eric, before we even talk about old wrestling, we have to at least talk about something that happened last weekend. Now you and I recorded our, our show that drops on Monday mornings, on Sunday and because we recorded on Sunday, uh, we had not yet seen the AEW pay-per-view, but coming out of the AEW pay-per-view, what everyone was talking about is Tony Khan at the press conference, addressing his situation with you. Um, I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't say Eric, what do you think?
2: The words are hard to find right now, but I think one of the things we have to do is I have to do is recognize that not everybody lives in social media, right? A lot of people listening to this show or listening to the show, listen, because they kind of dig the nostalgia with all of your shows. Right. And, a lot of those people aren't necessarily following social media or tracking the things that Tony Khan says or doesn't say. So before we go any, is it possible? Did you
0: find that clip? So we can oh yeah. It? It's, it's all over Twitter. Um, let me find it here.
2: Because I think it's important in order for anybody to understand my response, which I'm not even sure how to respond quite yet. They understand what I'm having a hard time responding to. Um,
0: Okay. Uh, so here's what happens. So after every AEW pay-per-view and AEW has been really great about this. I think this is a Tony Khan tip of the cap. I mean, we got to give him credit for this. They do like a media scrum, like a press conference, like a major football game or what have you. I think that's really cool. Uh, so we had a whole host of folks out there. He had Jericho and others, but the big moment of course, is when the new champion shows up CM punk. And of course. You and Mr. Punk had some back and forth several weeks ago that a little regrettable, maybe. Um, but it's still, uh, not for me. (laughs) Well, I like, I like punk and I like Tony Khan and I like you. And I think if we got everybody in the same room, everybody would like each other, but that's not where we are either way though. I think it was Lucha Libre online asked about the Eric Bischoff comment that CM Punk was the biggest financial flop in the history of prayer wrestling. Something I, dug my heels in and debated so hard that now, every time I log into Twitter, people are piling on me saying that I'm a Tony con ass kiss or whatever. But still it it was a pretty polarizing debate between you and I that split the audience more than normal. Would you agree with that? Definitely. So it's a hot topic amongst our listeners and it was addressed at the podcast. So Lucha Libre online asked the question, Uh, Referencing, you know, your comment that Punk was the biggest financial flop, which I disagree with, and and here's what Tony said:
3: You were the biggest financial flop in wrestling. That's fucking bullshit. (laughs) Hey, hey, I can tell. There's only one person that can attest to that. I don't know what other people. I can only attest what's happened here and public. Record and some of these things are a matter of public record because things of freedom of information and stuff. So we do, you know, have over the years a good amount of financial data in pro wrestling. I can tell you like no one wrestler has ever come in and made a bigger plus delta financial difference in the history of my company going into this is the third year anniversary this week Mm -hmm. going into year four no one person has ever made a more positive impact. We just did a record pay-per-view by every pay-per-view. He's done a four pay-per-view cycle now. Every one of them was the record. Uh, the matches, he carried the Friday Night War, which, by the way, is a matter of record in fucking court in the state of California that we won the Friday Night War. Just ask Jerry McDivitt because he fucking wrote it. Hey. And this guy won it versus Matt Seidel who's a great wrestler. He had another goddamn great match I'm on right. Friday Night. This fucking guy, he fucking did the Friday Night War. He did the first dance he's done the record double or nothing he did the record all out in his debut he did he was a big part of a record full gear a great match with eddie kingston and fucking bunch of he's wrestled a bunch of young guys a bunch of veterans in between there the will hobbs daniel garcia god damn it and then he showed up uh did the biggest program in terms of everything tv box ever with mjf and then he did the goddamn main event here he's a biggest part of financial success in the history of this company let's fucking go
4: Yeah, good answer. Uh, I will I will quasi answer that I didn't have a Twitter war with anybody I never mentioned him my name and I think people like that just need to die in the dark and I don't I don't need to, to speak their name and stuff like that I'm focused on what we're doing and the positives we bring uh, to the world and I don't want
3: anybody to die yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but nevertheless it is bullshit what he said
4: yeah uh, yeah we wouldn't need, we don't need to, to everybody's got oh. a shitty
3: opinion so just let them let them have it That's a shitty opinion it's the most bullshit opinion I've ever heard and like I said I hope the answer I gave get backed up why he's the opposite he's actually for us the biggest financial success story and okay we're moving on thank we're you moving, right. thank you thank you i just I, it works me up right. sorry I know, sorry i know sorry all right little-
0: so there you go there's tony's response to um your comment he was pretty fired up and i gotta say i know I, i'm friendly with tony and that rubs some people the wrong way i love his passion the brother's fired up and he's defending his guy i think that's cool and the visual of, I think CM Punk not really knowing how to respond to that is a fun watch, but I can, oh, only- I had fun watching Tony. Oh my
2: God.
0: What'd you think, oh. Eric, when you first saw that? I think, uh, you probably saw it's Monday morning Memorial day. Right. Yeah. What, what'd you think watching that? I felt bad for Tony
2: in a way. And then it's like my my it's like okay I'm, I can't wait to fire back I'm gonna have so much fun with this, and I was ready to go. I spent most of Monday morning just kind of in my mind laying out how I was going to just take a flamethrower to this. And then I, I said, no, that's what you normally do, Eric let's not do what you normally do, which is just a visceral in the moment without a whole lot of thought response. There will be a time. There will be a place where I will respond to this nonsense. I mean, what the hell Friday night wars? what are you kidding me enough that's what I, you know what I, I got a better idea i i'm i'm here with you each and every week you said yeah. you're friends with tony yeah you got something to say tony you want to defend yourself and punk you got an issue with my responses when i'm asked a question Or when somebody from your organization decides to use their platform to take a swing and then bitches and whines like a little puppy that peed on a carpet and know it's about to get smacked, and I respond and you have a problem with that? Here I am, brother. Anytime you want to jump on and jump in, give the big man a call. You got his number. He'll set it up, and we'll do it. So I'm not a hard man to find.
0: So this is a formal invitation.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Tony. Absolutely. Been, Tony's been call on him the sh- right now. Call him right now. He's probably awake. Probably bouncing around a room somewhere. Good. we and call him. Say, Hey, we're, 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 we're recording right now. TK. Come on in. EB
0: wants to have a chat. He's, he's been on the show before, but I don't. I don't know that he's going to. He doesn't want any of this. I don't think he does not want any
2: of this. Just enough said, bro. Enough said. I, I, cause I'll go off. You know me, you've been working with me now for four and a half years. You're one of my closest friends. You know me as well as I know myself and I am fighting every strand of DNA in this 207.5 pound body to not just light myself up and go off because it'll be fun as hell, but there's a right time and a right place.
0: Well, uh, there you have it, Tony. Uh, you have an open invitation to appear on the show here. 83 weeks. Um, I do think one day we're going to get you guys in a room together and, 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 and you guys would, I mean, I think he drinks white claw and, and I, and I think you drink, Well, any kind of light beer. So I I think we could get everybody on the same page, but I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon. But let me cross my fingers and hope that maybe we can open the forbidden door of podcasting here and have Tony Khan on the program. So do not hold your breath. Well, I'm also not going to be holding my breath that uh, things are just going to get better on their own. You know, we've got to work to make things better. And one of the things that I know you and Mrs. B and me and, and Mrs. Thompson have been doing is enjoying some AG one from athletic greens. As we get older, we got to start, you know, putting our hands on the wheel a little bit more. If you're looking for more energy or to optimize your immune system, or maybe you hate taking pills or vitamins, maybe you're looking for a supplement, but maybe one that doesn't actually taste bad. What if there was one that tastes good? What if you could get with one delicious scoop of AG one, 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, superfoods, And of course, probiotics, adaptogens, all of that to help you start your day right. This is a special blend of ingredients for your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your aging, all the things. And it's been a game changer for for our fam. It's also easy for your fam. Let me explain. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, AG1s for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and it still tastes good. It's going to help you sleep better. It's going to help you recover faster. It's going to help bring some more mental clarity and alertness. It also costs less than $3 a day. You're really investing in your health here. It's cheaper than whatever that old coffee on the way to work costs. But at the same time, you're investing in the all-in-one nutritional insurance we know as AG1. Now, don't just take mine and Eric's word for this. Eric's going to tell you what he thinks about it, but... You should see what other people think about it. We're talking more than 7,000 five-star reviews for this product. It's been recommended across the world by professional athletes and the more you dig into Athletic Greens, the more it makes sense, right Eric? It does, and I first heard about AG1, <clears throat> gosh, it must have been 7 or 8
2: months ago, maybe more, uh, from Joe Rogan. I mean, you know, I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast quite a bit, especially when we're doing road trips and things, and uh I respect the hell out of Joe. I mean, he's, he does his homework. He knows, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to nutrition. One of the smartest people I think out there uh, in the podcast world, when it comes to nutrition, that's not a scientist or doesn't have his own product, that type of thing. And that's what got my interest. And Mrs. B uh, has been studying nutrition now for really the better part of 25 or 30 years. She's immersed in it and she's gone to school for it. She really, really spends in a, amazing amount of time researching and studying. And I, I brought it to her. And of course, you know, she does what she does and started doing her research. And she came back and said, wow, you need, this is a good one. You know, because a lot of times you hear about, there's so many supplements out there and you know they all sound great, right? Yeah. But they're not all great. They really aren't when you really do the research. But Mrs. B spent, you know, the better part of a day looking at the research in it and looking at all of the ingredients in it and how it's manufactured and so forth. And we ordered it six or eight months ago, whatever it was, and we've been on it religiously ever since. I love it. You cannot possibly eat enough vegetables and enough produce and fruit during the course of the day to get the kind of nutritional benefits you get from AG1. And I think that's one of the things that our Collective lifestyles because everything is so fast paced. Everybody's eating on the go. You know, you're getting your meals delivered to your home. You're not really sure where it really comes from. You know, like you're not really sure what's in it. A lot of the things that we eat are processed, and a lot of the nutritional benefits from the things you do eat. Even if you go to a salad bar in a in a restaurant, and you think you're getting great nutrition, more often than not, you're really not getting what you need. And you certainly couldn't get enough, you couldn't eat enough to get what you need on a daily basis. But AG1, man, it's one scoop, simple. I don't mix it with anything. I don't doctor it up. I don't try to make it taste better. Just one scoop, ice cold water, boom. First thing in the morning, before my coffee, mind you. And trust me, you got to be good if you're going to get in the way of my first cup of coffee. You got to be you you got to be good. First thing I do every day. And uh, I love the product. Love it.
0: Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash 83 weeks. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash 83 weeks to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athleticgreens.com forward slash 83 weeks. Looking for a great Mother's Day or Father's Day gift idea? I was, and I found it at Paint Your Life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget, and it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a -a one-of-a-kind, beautiful hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame. And you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WEEKS to 87204. That's WEEKS to 87204. Text WEEKS to 87204. Paint Your Life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. So without further ado, I got Peacock ready on my side. Eric, are you ready on your side? It's season three, episode 23, June 9th, 1997. I am ready to go. Okay, here we go. I'm going to give you a countdown. I'll do three, two, one, and then we'll press play in three, two, one, play.
2: Open never gets sold.
0: Buddy. I was thinking the same thing. I wish WWE would just use this open. They own it. Use this open for a show every now and again here, just as a one off. Let's listen to Tony Support. here.
6: WCW World Championship Wrestling, where the big boys play. And I'm Tony Schiavone, along with the living legend Larry Zbyszko. am now been signed, as you have seen, top of the program. Dennis Rodman, the worm. Hollywood Hulk Hogan will be a team on July 13th at Bash of the Beach Sunday, exclusively on pay-per-view the big event coming in July. Their opponents yet to be named, maybe dragging their feet about their opponents. But here tonight, Hollywood Hulk Hogan is with us, Lex Luger's with us, and we have signed for the main event here tonight. The Outsiders the Outsiders in our main event against Ric Flair and Rowdy Roddy Piper are being told now by Craig Leathers that the NWO has arrived. Let's, let's go out back now. And the NWO. Hey, like, what's up? The Macho Man trying to get out of the limousine. And Diamond oh. Dallas is not letting him out. Oh. He kicked the window in. He kicked the limo in. Oh, oh and Liz nailed him. And there goes the limousine. He hit him with the door on the shoulder to prevent him from getting to the macho man Randy Savage. And Savage. What
0: a hot open. Uh first of all, let's let's start at the beginning. Tony says there's 22,000 people there. It's actually a sellout of 18,003. Are we rounding up in, in Vince McMahon's honor or are we counting all the <laughs> staff and people in the back or cuz I think I've heard Bruce explain, well that's how many people were in the building. Meaning, you know, the ushers and the people working concessions and the people in the truck and the riggers and blah, blah, blah. I
4: don't
2: know, man. Even that, that's like 4,000 just extra people floating around. That's a lot. That's a, that's a lot. I, I i think we were just uh, maybe like Tony Khan, a little overly enthusiastic. How about I, that?
0: If we can say Ric Flair is one as a build height, I think you can round up on the attendance too, right?
2: Yeah, that's how that works. Clearly, that's how that works, isn't it? It, it's also interesting
0: uh, merchandise that night. Think about this guy's $138,100. It's just shoved the record set on April 18th for a nitro in Philadelphia. I just want everybody to have the context here that, you know, the, the WW or, or, or WCW has existed since Jim Crockett sold out, which would have been the end of 88. So 1989, 1990, 1991, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96. We got eight years under our belt here as a company for WCW. And we've never had this big of a gate. We've never had this many fans in the building. And we darn near set a a, a merch record. And that merch record wasn't from an old Starcade. Wasn't from an old Halloween Havoc. It was from less than two months ago on a random Monday night. This is the hottest that professional wrestling had ever been for WCW. And I know you could go back and you could argue, well, it was hotter for Vince in the mid eighties. Sure. But the, the levels we're about to achieve are going to surpass all of that. And I don't think we've spent enough time talking about the great innovation of Monday Nitro and what it meant for the business. And I don't just mean like the industry, I mean, dollars and cents. When you can go and say, Hey, it's a new high watermark. Think about this. If you're an event company. And let's say your biggest event ever, and you've been doing it for years and years was like 1.1 million. And then all of a sudden you're doing that on a regular basis, like 1.4 this week and 1.6, the next week, whatever that number may be, but this was an all time record and now we're breaking it consistently. That shows you that this thing is a snowball and it's getting bigger and bigger at every turn. Is it not Eric? It, it sure is. And a couple of things I want to point
2: out in, in looking at this, it's so much fun to look at as we're, we're watching a great opening match here. Um, you pointed out, what was the
0: gate? Like 200 and some odd
2: thousand, $243,946. All right. $245,000 rounded up. Cause that's what we do in wrestling. And if you adjust that for inflation, I'm not going to do the math or take the time. It's not that important, but I'm going to guess it's about 400 grand.
0: I'll do it right now. Cause I've I actually got the inflation calculator. Cause you know, I'm a nerd. It's 437,716 dollars.
2: Okay. Nearly a half a million dollars. Yep. O- over a half a million dollars with merchandise.
0: Yes. Okay.
2: For a television show, for yep. it, not a pay-per-view not something that's been built up, not something that's got a story that's been built for weeks or months for a weekly free live television show. That's the one thing that amazes me. And that I think speaks to the momentum that we we were able to create long after everybody was convinced that wrestling will never be as popular as it was back in the eighties. Cause that was the running theme uh, in the North Tower of of Turner Broadcasting at that point. It'll never happen again. Wrestling's dead. It was big back then, but it's losing steam, blah, 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 blah. If I would have bought into that, this show wouldn't be happening. We wouldn't be doing this podcast. That's one thing. The other thing, and this has nothing to do with business or anything. Well, I guess it does. But watching this crowd, one of the things that I miss are the signs. Yeah. I mean, that is the ultimate that is the pinnacle of audience participation and i understand why i understand why signs are a problem um and it's really courtesy right if you've got a family of four behind you and they're spending a ton of money to go to a wwe event or an aew event and the people in front of you are holding up these signs throughout the show and your, your 10 year old can't see i get it That's, it's not fair to the people around you. So I don't have an answer, but I do know one thing I miss it, man. I love seeing those crazy ass signs. I I know it makes it, it makes it feel like a real live event.
0: I heard a a great explanation of that recently. And I want to share with you because I thought, boy, that makes a lot of sense. Someone was asking, Hey, why aren't there more signs at the shows anymore? And the response was, well, they can't hold up a sign and their cell phone at the same time.
2: I don't think that's it. I think W for a long time. And maybe that's part of it. I guess I don't, I don't buy that though.
0: Here's, here's what I was thinking. They meant though, Eric is they're going to take that video or picture or whatever, and put it on their social. And that's their way of trying to get attention as opposed to having a sign. Yeah, maybe I'll your, buy it. Your old pal, I mean, Tony con that's his theory.
2: I, 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 I'm not, I'm eh, I, okay. I still think it's, you know, for years, How many times have we heard, you know, WWE took my sign or this person took, I hear it all the time. Yeah. And I I think from a live event perspective, you won't, first of all, a lot of people put things in those signs that "Mm, questionable on television. That's part of it. But I also think, you know, you get enough complaints from people that are spending good money on their tickets and they can't see anything because the people in front of them are holding up signs throughout the show. I really believe that's the bigger issue. And maybe Tony's explanation is a part of it, but I, I don't think so. Cause it's been going on for years. It's been happening for a long time, but so whatever.
0: I want to mention, you know, when we round up or not round up, but when we use the inflation calculator and we, we take a look at merch, we take a look at the live gate. It's $700,000 as a gross here for this live event. Um, and that's before all the sponsorships. So I just want to, cause I know sometimes we spend a lot of time on this program talking about television, I just want everyone to understand what we're talking about here. Let's pretend for instance, we're not talking about wrestling. Now we're going to talk about just a two hour TV show on cable. Now, Eric, you've done a lot of TV. You've done a lot of shows on cable. What would a production company expect to spend to get a two hour show on the air, not wrestling, but like, we'll call it a reality show or a scripted series, whatever you want to go with. What's the rule of thumb like a just basic number we could throw out there and say it's about blank per hour,
2: uh, n- non-scripted television. I'll tell you what I've done in, in the past, um, on the high end, $750,000 an hour. So that was the most expensive show I ever sold.
0: So let's run through that. Then if you put a regular two hour television block, of pro block of programming out here, you're going to spend roughly $1.5 million in order to do that. Now. Eric, when you did that show for $750,000 an hour, uh, how many people bought tickets to see y'all film it? Zero. My point is you have $750,000 of new income here that offsets your production costs. So even if this show cost 1.5 to get on the air, which it didn't, you've got 750 to offset it. So it's essentially like buy one, get one free for your overhead. And now you can go make that up with advertising dollars. But that's what makes wrestling so different from so many other programs because Seinfeld was huge. But I mean, did they have a $700,000 gate for every episode between merch and tickets? No, that's not a part of their business model. So that's what makes wrestling different is you have all these different revenue opportunities that don't exist in, in other television. Right, Eric?
2: Absolutely. And this show, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess here, but I'm gonna be pretty close, probably within about fifteen percent. This show our our, our hard cost to produce this show, travel, everything, all in, insurance, advertising, promotion, everything you can think of um, was about three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand
0: dollars for a two hour show. So there you go. So again, let's call it four hundred and then let's take the gate of two forty-three let's add in the merch of one we're real close to, Hey, we, we did the show for free. Uh, you know, we, we offset all of our overhead, all of our costs, and now all the sponsorship dollars, all the ad dollars, uh, the content library, that's all found money now.
2: Yeah. And what would have been even cooler? And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not whining about this because we were fortunate to get the opportunity that we had on Turner broadcasting. And I'll always be grateful for that. Um, But again, looking at the way business was back then to the way it is now, uh, we weren't getting a license fee. This was WCW producing this show at our cost that hit our bottom line, and there was no license fee to offset that production. We had to live or die uh, based on the profit that we could create from producing the show for free for the network. There was no licensing fees. There was no... I can't even do the math. There was no two hundred fifty or three hundred thousand dollars an episode in license, or in WWE's case, over half a million uh, per episode. Uh, there was none of that. We were living or dying just off of our own toils.
0: Uh, I, I want to mention everybody. We just saw a tremendous match. Uh, we opened nitro with a six man. It was a trios match, if you will, silver King, uh, with La Parca and psychosis taken on Juventud Guerrero Ultimo dragon and super Calo. Phenomenal match. Mike Tenay was joining us there and now we're in the ramp and here's me and Gene.
5: You, one of the most popular men in world championship wrestling, please join me in welcoming the total package Lex Luger.
0: We just talked about Lex last week. Of course, what a great episode that was and what a career he had. And we're just a few months away from him becoming world champ. Let's see what he and Mean Gene are saying here.
5: The comments from Hulk Hogan, Dennis Rodman, they have signed for July the 13th at the bash at the beach. Have you heard anything from them over the last seven days? No word from Hollywood Hogan, but I'm not surprised.
7: He has a lot of problems making decisions, it seems, as of late. So we're trying to make it real easy for you. The Giant and I just talked. He's in Germany. We're getting ready for a big tour over there. We've signed our names since you owe me a shot and the Giant on a tag team contract for
5: Bass at the Beach against you and Rodman. All right. Wait a minute. They've kind of been ducking the issue, to be quite candid, Lex
7: but we're forcing the issue. And you know, before I forget, there's one last little detail, Hogan. You seem to be having a lot of problems with your scheduling, all your movie parts, lining up your limousines. So what happened is J.J. Dillon and the WCW executive committee have decided you haven't defended your title since February. So tonight, right here in the Fleet Center, decided that you're gonna wrestle and you're wrestling
5: me oh, oh, wow. you, he said what i, I thought he said tonight. tonight yes indeed ladies and gentlemen x luger hollywood hulk hogan what great news we're in boston this is Franco and this is tnt on a monday night you can't believe hollywood goes down tonight
0: By the way, that pop from the crowd, that was not piped in like it is sometimes on SmackDown. That's a real response. And man, look at the crowd. You know, this is one of the eras, I think, where the wrestling audience started to change a little bit, Eric. You know, for years and years, it felt like wrestling was mostly, oh, here's Mike today.
4: American Bash this Sunday, but Ric Flair and Roddy Piper, upon hearing that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are at the Fleet Center, have decided that they can't wait until Sunday in the Great American Bash. They're arriving in the limo backstage. Gentlemen, we understand that we don't have to wait until the bash. Tonight, you will face Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Yeah, talking about a rift between me and Flair. Me and Flair have never been more solid in our entire life. We don't have to wait for no pay-per-view. There's fighting to be done. Let's do it tonight on Nitro in front of millions you think you're so hot outsiders calling us a couple of dinosaurs jurassic park we're a couple of hip dinosaurs tyrannosaurus rex you know the only thing that we got in common with you in jurassic park is the lost world and that's what's going to happen to you when you get in the ring
8: hall nash six you've had your weight well, the hot ride has been absent tonight. We walk out that door. You'll think Bobby Orr and Larry Bird are walking the aisle in Boston tonight. Woo! Woo!
4: My gosh, that was so
2: good. It makes, I almost brought a tear to my eye. I miss Roddy. Man, when Roddy was on, he, he was on. Rick is always great, sometimes greater than others. But those two together... Hard right. to be hit their stride. Oh my goodness gracious. That was classic.
0: It f- It feels like a big show, you know, I mean w- with the whole, we just sort of glossed over cause there's so much happening so quickly, but DDP trying to kick out the w- the window of the limousine where Randy Savage is on the inside once, twice the third time it finally breaks through. And all I could think was, man, that's pretty dangerous. I don't know if, if that's a great look or a great idea, but at the same time he did have on a cowboy boot, he did have on jeans, but just knowing what we know that's going to happen in the future with Goldberg, looking back, it's like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. And then Liz slams the door on his shoulder and macho man escapes just great stuff, man. You're hitting an all cylinders here. And especially, you know, it became a staple of the show back then you get the six man or you get the, uh, the Luchadors. phenomenal job. Um, this is about peak WCW to me, the summer of 97 through the end of the year. So fun.
2: And you know, a couple of just quick format points. I mean, we basically hit, we, we reminded the audience of what to pay attention to in the first two or three minutes of this show. Yes. Right. You had your a story, a B story and a C story. And I think that is so important. And that's some. That's one of the things that I think are lost: are prioritizing your stories, dedicating the the appropriate amount of television time to each one of those stories, depending on where they are at that moment on that on that list. That's number one. Number two, and this is I think radically different from the way things are done across the board in the industry today. Is we didn't advertise this stuff a week in advance, right? We didn't over promote it. So by the time the people in the building arrived, they already knew what was going to happen. And the reaction would have not been as as, as strong as it was here, because this is a surprise. Holy shit, we're getting this. Oh, my God, this is outstanding. That emotion, being able to create that emotion um, is what makes live TV work. And I strongly, this is my own opinion, folks. Take it. Discard it, do whatever you want with it. But I think the tendency now, because of social media, to try to overpromote, tell everybody what's happening a week before it happens, I think it actually, over time, takes away from the advantage that having live TV provides you. Lesson one for the day.
0: I ain't mad at it. We're seeing a pretty decent match here by a young upstart named Alex, Wright, And of course, Chris Jericho, who's just a handful of months into the company. I think he came in in like August or September. So he's less than a year in and still a baby face and maybe hasn't quite yet found his voice here in WCW. We know he's going to go on to have a hall of fame career, but it's so fun to go back and look at, you know, all the innovations that you guys have. One of those, I really do keep harping on here is the lucha stuff because the wbf was just not doing that but something that always was a little odd that i wondered if it was ever on your radar there was constant criticism of the idea that only it seemed as if only mike Tanay was invested in the lucha stuff and i don't mean in terms of he was the only one who was familiar i get that i don't think tony Schiavone grew up studying lucha libre he was a mid-atlantic jim crockett promotions guy that's what he grew up with and i get that and i don't necessarily think that zabisco should have been a guru if you will but even in Hmm. this show he says something like what's his name silverfish it was actually silver king and i understand that zabisco's you know kind of a smart ass and kind of has a heel edge but I, I just don't think that gets anybody over. It feels like it diminishes an investment that you guys have put out there, right?
2: No, it it, it did, and it, you know I'll cut Larry some slack. He he was a heel. That was you know the nature of his character, and that, that would have been just fine if the Luchadors had been around long enough to have been established and to have their own fan base. And then you're going to have that heel baby face or that heel commentator baby face audience baby face talent. Um, reaction to that would have been fine, but at this point the Luchadors were a new thing, and people weren't necessarily sure how to feel about them. I think the audience was uh, more more than the talent was, or the locker room was but there were certain people in in as part of the roster that were just what the fuck are you doing bishop why are you giving these guys so much time this is ridiculous the audience will never buy this there was a fair amount not everybody don't don't misunderstand me here don't misquote me you bitches not everybody but a, there was a significant portion of the roster that was like Kind of feeling literally or in in reality, the way Larry comes across in commentary. Just very dismissive.
0: We see uh, Alex Wright here trying to set up Chris Jericho. So he's going to go to the top row. But what do you think the upside on Alex Wright was?
2: It's not so much what I thought it was. I, I think it, uh, what it could have been. I mean, number one, he was a great looking, he was very telegenic. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the camera absolutely loved that kid. He, Athletically, in terms of his in ring performance, uh, at times he came off a little awkward because I just, you know, he had legs like a giraffe. You know, he was all legs. Uh, and there were times, depending on who he was working with, where he was just a little bit awkward, but he was still young. I think he was like 20, 21 or 22 here. He's a kid. But the potential that he had. Um, I think was amazing. I it's, it's he's one of the I think one of the most underrated young performers of the nineties. And I I wish he would have stuck around the States a little bit longer. I think he could have had an amazing future in WWE. I mean, he he had everything. He was a great promo. We've talked about it a million times. I'm not going to touch on it again. He, you know, he came into the industry, saddled with a horseshit gimmick. Yeah. And it's tough to overcome. But if he would have come in, if he would have come into the company Right now, in 1997, would not have come in with all of that dancing, dick dancer bullshit. Um, I think his fortune would have been much, much different than ultimately it ended up being. But he a great performer, true professional. I hope he's doing well. I think he's got a wrestling school in Germany called Right Stuff, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I'm sure he's doing well because he understands psychology. He learned from his father, uh, who, who was also a professional wrestler. He he worked extensively in the UK, if I'm not mistaken. um, nonetheless, very, very, very professional guy. And I wish he would have had a, a brighter career than he did.
0: So Eric, at the conclusion of this match, uh, we're going to take a break. And what we're going to do is we're going to pause the playback. So as we see, uh, Jericho and, and Alex Wright really going at it here, I just want to give you a heads up that as we wind down this match, uh, we're going to take a pause. Randy Anderson's our referee here too. And that's another thing that I don't think we talk about enough. You guys had some great referees. Uh, We saw Mark Curtis out here uh, a little earlier. Uh, We, um, the real life, Brian Hildebrand. Now we got Randy Anderson. Of course, Nick Patrick's a staple. Um, there's some Scott Dickinson. You had some really, really good referees here on the roster. Was there one guy who was in charge of, you know, the referees, uh, he sort of ran roughshod over that. And it was his department. Was there a lead guy? I know in the WWE, it's, it's John Cone. And I think Charles Robinson helps run the ring crew and things like that. Did that exist in WCW?
2: Not really. I, I think there was, uh, it was a much more informal process. You know, Randy, Randy is certainly one of our top referees, but a lot of times the talent, you know, and in the agent, who's who's ever, you know, speaking for creative at that time would put the right referee with the right match, it, it but there was no formal process. It was very informal. I'm sure there were times, you know, where certain talents I'm, and I'm guessing, I don't know this for a fact, but guys like Arnie Anderson and Ric Flair and guys that carried some clout and had reason to, they would decide which referees they wanted. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's the way it should be. By sure, because that's that's a tough spot, man. People don't realize how tough it is to be a referee. It was one of the most. I've taken power bombs off the stage, completely blind from Kevin Nash. I've been choke slammed by the Giant. I've been choke slammed by Kane. I've had all kinds of stupid stuff done to me. The most frightening thing I've ever done is be a referee. I mean the 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 the, the, the potential to screw things up as a referee are very, very high, <laughs> Yeah, very high.
0: I want to mention, uh, about 10 days prior to this, May 30th, Eric, you sting Ric Flair and Bobby Heenan are all going to be in LA for what's called the biggest one day promotion of a show for tickets to go on sale. It's the great Western forum. You're promoting a Saturday nitro, uh, that we know is going to happen in late summer and the first day sells 4,000 tickets for 98 grand. Uh, so if you can get almost a hundred thousand dollars on the day tickets go on sale, that's pretty strong.
2: But yeah, when and when you think about it, three years prior to this, we couldn't do a hundred thousand dollar gate for a pay per view.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah.
2: You're, I mean, it's just what a fun time. I'm glad you take me through this because I forget about all this stuff.
0: I really do. Oh, well, look I, at and, Alex Wright. And, and, Alex Wright cheated. He put his damn feet on the bottom ropes. That damn dirty cheater. Dirty just dirty bastard he must have learned that from his dad too that damn cheater him and there he is doing go. the dancing that's your favorite part i know he's horrible at it too by the way i think that was part of the deal wasn't it
2: i don't know i just think he was horrible at it he probably didn't really want to do it
0: i mean would you want to do it no and no one would want to see it either so eric hit pause i'm at 27 30 And we're going to go ahead and take a time out right now to help you find your Zen. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of 83 weeks is brought to you by Zen nicotine pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. That's right. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, no more batteries to charge, no more leaky equipment to deal with Zen nicotine pouches are smoke-free, spit-free and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head over right now to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical And, uh, Eric, with that in mind, let's jump back into the program. I'm at 2730. Are you ready?
2: I am at 2730. Wow. What a coincidence. That's perfect.
0: Here we go. In three, two, one play.
6: Saturday, it's WCW, Saturday night, 6.05 p.m. Eastern Time, and two hours on TBS, the Superstation featuring Chris Benoit, Glacier, Public Enemy, Dee Malenko, Diamond Dallas will be on hand, and many others, and I'll be joined by Dusty Rhodes, The American Dream, this Saturday at 6.05 Eastern Time on TBS, it's WCW, Saturday night. And what a weekend it's going to be. And that's going to begin, of course, with the main event earlier in the day, our great American Bash weekend. And I tell you, as we go to Moline, Illinois, this coming Sunday, so much intensity, so much animosity between the athletes in WCW. And there's one match where a lady will put her career on the line, and I'm talking about Medusa, who will face Akira Hokuto at the Great American Match. Yeah, but I don't think Medusa wanted to. You know, Sonny Ono, as sneaky as he is, he caught
9: Medusa on the spot, nailed her against the wall, and her career is on the line against one of the greatest lady wrestlers in the world from Japan, and I think Medusa made a big mistake, and- Sonny Ono got the best of her on this one. Well, Medusa
4: has worked so hard for so many years to establish herself as the top woman wrestler in the United States. Her countless hours of training around the world, living in Japan, training in the dojos, could all be lost in one bout this Sunday when she puts that career at stake against this woman, Akira Hokuto with Sonny Ono.
0: So there you go. We're trying our best to get this women's division kicked off. And I give you a lot of credit, Eric, you know, you, you, you really helped change the way people viewed cruiserweights. Uh, you, you're introducing a lot of American fans to the Japanese style of wrestling and the the Mexican style of wrestling, but you're also at least trying to do something with the women. And again, I don't think you get your flowers for this. This is not happening on the other channel. You're not seeing a bunch of, uh, big time wrestling like this. Now I'm not saying that they didn't have some matches every now and again with, Folks like Sable and Luna and Lord knows Luna was a tremendous talent, but you got Medusa here and you've got an investment in some Japanese talent. What we see, uh, uh, Akira Hokuto in there. And of course we've also got, I think a really credible athlete in Hosaka. So we've got something totally different that you would not see on raw. So maybe you're not, I wasn't at the time familiar with these talent, but I knew, Hey man, if it's on nitro, it's probably going to be good.
2: And I, I think the biggest – and thanks for that, by the way. But, again, it was just another example of being different then. That was the focus. And having access to a, a great roster of uh, women wrestlers because of the relationship with Japan and the desire to create a show that had a more international kind of feel to it, um, it, it made it possible. Akira Hux, too, did you that, – that gimmick that she came to the ring with? Yeah. I mean, if you're not watching along, um, I can't really describe it. It's too hard to describe, but you got to see it. Go, go to Peacock. Even if you're just going to join for a month, check it out. What an amazing gimmick she came to the ring with. And this is going to be a great match. This is a match that I, I think to this day, at Hoka to, <clears throat> excuse me, not this match, but the match coming up with Medusa that, that we were talking about here, um, that match between Hulk 2 and Medusa, I think, was one of the matches that um, Hulk 2 still to this day really, really cherishes.
0: Look at her gear, too. I mean, her gear looks like she's ready for Raw or SmackDown today. Like, you could wear her gear that she's wearing today. She was the, the, the way ahead of her time.
2: So ahead of her time. Yeah. She looked fantastic. And Sonny told me what she was up to now. I just talked to Sonny about her a couple months ago, and I'll, I'll hopefully I'll think of it before we end the show. But she's got a career that's completely—it's is 180 degrees from what you see her doing here now, as you can imagine. Uh, married, uh, and, and has a very successful life in Japan, but great experience working with her, and I think uh, it added a lot to the show.
0: And listen, you can tell from looking at the crowd, they're not really into it. They don't know the story, they're not emotionally invested. Um but still, you're giving them opportunities here. And if you're looking for something different, I mean, think about what we've seen so far. We've seen Chris Jericho and Alex Wright. We've seen the the trios match, and now we've seen this and here comes Medusa. And look at the reaction from Medusa.
2: Now you're getting a reaction do from the crowd.
6: Oh, she dumped her! A series of German suplexes from Medusa. she do it again. Three of them! And third time to charm!
2: Medusa! That's a pretty hot little angle. And
6: she wants a piece of Sonny on as well. Better get enough. Great
2: reaction the from over. the crowd.
6: Because I think Sunny, I think Sonny got her career on the line, brother. Oh boy.
0: The great American Bastard Sunday. How great
2: is Medusa? She is. You know what I loved about this angle here? It was just enough. Yes. It was ju- we didn't over. We didn't entertain them too much. Just gave them a taste. What did that last? A minute?
0: Yeah, it was not long.
2: Maybe. That's that's the way it should be done, folks. Right at the end, right at the end of the match, the crowd reacted. In probably the best way possible, but we didn't overstay our welcome with that angle. I love
5: that from Boston. Please join me as we welcome Rick and Scott, the Steiner brothers.
0: Now let's hope that this promo goes a little better than the one that Lex Luger did earlier. And I know he got a huge pop, but Tony Schiavone had to step in and correct it and say, Hey, Lex Luger versus Hollywood Hogan, uh, tonight is not a title match. Of course. Apparently Lex just screwed that up in his promo, but still it got fans excited. They're going to see it. Let's see what the Steiners are talking about.
5: What's that G? The tag team situation here at world championship wrestling. Why do we have to keep
8: going through all this stuff? Gene? We hate, we had the NWO beat. We
5: beat team. And now we got to go back to and prove to everybody that my brother and I are the best tag team going. Well, it seems like you're gonna have tests like this as you go through life, Scotty. You're well aware of that.
8: That's right, me and Gene, and we'll take on every tag
5: team in WCW. We... Uh-oh. Speaking of tag teams... we oh, got oh, listen problems. Up, man. You know, me and my brother, we got a beef
8: because we are the 7 time world tag team champions, and we deserve the shot at Hall and Nash. Did you hear that? Gene, you know these two suckers know. We are the number one contenders because so we done beat you several times, pump. Hey, that
6: seven stuff don't mean nothing. We can do it tonight. Oh, my. Uh-oh. And they're, they're doing it tonight. Yeah, you don't say that to the Steiners in the heat. They'll go, baby. They're not going to wait on the great American badge. These two top tag teams are going at it now. Look at this. You know, Both teams frustrated. Steiners had
0: the belt. When you think of WCW tag teams, do you not always go back to these two? These are the most two prolific WCW tag teams to me, the Steiners and Harlem Heat.
2: Absolutely. And just the energy here, you know, first of all, again, once again, we were on the money. Um, We didn't let it drag out too long. It wasn't too long of a promo before we got into the action. It was fast. The energy was high. And I think a lot of that, man, has to do with the crowd. As a performer on live television, if you've got a hot crowd and and you, and you're working with great talent, these four guys are you know the best of the best in the tag team division anywhere at this point. Um, you know you're going to walk away with something you're going to be proud of at the end of it. This feels so real because it wasn't overdone. Right, it's really really well done by these guys, and I think that's a mistake that uh, that often I see today across the board. Not picking on anybody, bitches. So don't just get your fucking panties all twisted up, go screaming and whining on social media that I'm criticizing somebody again. But I think one of the things I see across the board is these kind of angles tend to be too protracted. They take too long and you lose the energy. And it's also, you know, you see, you know, anytime you're outside of the ring, physicality gets a little more awkward because you're not able to do a lot of the things. You don't have the tools that you have inside of the ring to work with. And, uh, that was, that was about perfect. I
8: think.
0: Uh, we see Conan coming to the ring here. Let's run through some news and notes, uh, from the time, but before we do, I want to follow up on something else we talked about. You know, we were bragging about how you guys had $98,000 in first day sales at the forum for that Saturday nitro opportunity. Um, that feels like a home run. And boy, I hate to do it, but this past week, AEW ran the forum. And when they first put tickets on sale, they sold 11,000 tickets. The day tickets went on sale. How do you reconcile that? Wrestling was certainly hotter here in 1997. Nitro certainly had more momentum. I mean, I certainly had more people watching. Those are my opinions, but, uh, I think some of that's a fact just in terms of the amount of people watching the television program. And I know that we're comparing you know, different revenues. Uh, so I don't want to really even want to talk about that, but 4,000 tickets versus 11,000 tickets. Is that the difference in it being a non-televised event versus a TV show? Or is there something else? I don't know. There's probably a number of
2: factors. I, and I I'd have to really sit down and think about that. I think the fact that, you know, one is a televised event. One is a non-televised event. Certainly has a lot to do with it. How much I, No, it's a matter of opinion, subjective. Not going to get into it because it's just nonsense. Um, But definitely that is a factor. But I think there's another interesting dynamic about AEW. And it is kind of fascinating to see that, you know, they're kind of tapping out, topping out, I should say, um, at around a million viewers each week on Dynamite, their number one show. A show, if that's appropriate or not, their B shows right around 400, 500,000, not even close in comparison to the total number of viewers of nitro at the time or Monday night raw at the time. But how interesting is it that they're able to do so well for their big events? And it's been that way since day one, right? I mean, they're, they're big events from the get go. Have been huge sellouts. Yeah, with little with no TV in yes. the very beginning. Yes, so there's an interesting correlation that I'm not sure I, I I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it, but there's definitely a correlation there that's much different with the AEW product than the WWE product at this time, or certainly WCW at this time. But I'm not sure, other than the fact that one was a you know, one's a television show and one's just what they say, a house show that, that does matter. The audience understands that you are not going to get the show at a traditional live event or house show, non-televised event. You're not going to get the same product that you're going to get on a television show. It's just a fact and they're conditioned and they're even more conditioned now than they were back in 97. So I think that probably has, a don't know. What are you going to sign? Fifty percent of it? Yeah. Eighty percent of it? Two percent of it? I don't
0: know. We're going to commercial here. I want to mention Mongo was on his way to the ring and Kevin Green attacked him in the aisle. Security could not separate them. Uh, eventually, Doug Dillinger, who will be at Starcast, by the way, I think this is his I, fir- first appearance ever since WCW went down. Do you have a comment about that, Eric?
2: I am. St- I cannot wait. I just saw that when you. So you don't tell me this shit. People <laughs> think that you and I talk all the time. You, I talk to you more than I talk to anybody other than my wife from my children. Okay, but that being said, because it sounds like we talk all the time, we don't. And when we talk, you remind me a lot of Zane Bresloff, man. Me and Zane and I used to talk. And it'd be like forty-five second conversation. Yes, yes, and we don't. We. And, you know, I respect your time. I don't need to know a lot of stuff that doesn't affect me, so I don't dig in. So, yesterday I'm scrolling through my social media, as I often do, and I'm looking and I see Doug Dillinger at StarCast in July, StarCast 5. I was so excited to see that. I cannot wait. To give Doug a big old hug.
0: I can't wait either. It's going to be fun. And and, and the reality is, since we're doing a, a Jim Crockett Promotions throwback show, it's going to be Ric Flair's last match. I thought, why not have Doug come in, do some meet and greets, and, and be that rare obscure autograph that wrestling fans can get. But more importantly, let's like let's let him be our quote unquote head of security for Ric Flair's last match. So it'll be.
2: Oh, the you o- are a genius, Conrad Thompson. You are a freaking genius, certifiable top 1% damn smart. Some bitch. I love it.
0: So it'll be the, uh, the infamous Atlas crew who used to, uh, of course be there for all the ECW events running security, and they'll be led by Mr. Doug Dillinger. And it should be a great time. We hope that you'll come see us. Uh, starcast.com is where you can pick up all your tickets. We've brought back Jim Crockett promotions, merch at starcastmerch.com, including unbelievable stuff. You can't get anywhere else. I can't believe we've got it like a Ric Flair action figure. Uh, that is sure to sell out, uh, the commemorative belt that WWE canceled almost as quickly as they released it because Rick and them had a falling out and, and ended their contract. So we've got dead WWE stock, meaning it's maybe the <laughs> most collectible wrestling belt of all time, less than a hundred made it out of captivity. Uh, but in the ring right now, we've got Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan, the world champ. Let's track it. No.
9: for J.J. Dillon and the executive committee. And guess what they are? Fight me! There ain't no way, no how anybody in WCW is going to force this man to get into the ring until
8: he's ready. Is that right, Hollywood? Well, you know, Mr. Bischoff, the first thing I would like to do is say hello to all my... N.W.O. Whites out there. Uh, Now, if you want a piece of Hollywood, Mr. Luger, the first thing you gotta do is start working out, brother. Oh, my. (laughs) Number one, you're not in shape to get in the ring with me. Number two, you couldn't beat me in this lifetime or your next lifetime. And number three, you're messing with the main man in the NWO. And I only wrestle or put the NWO title up when I want to. So not to disappoint all my NWO lights out there. I'm not gonna bore them, brother with some match where I just outclass some loser like you, I'm gonna give them what they want. No no match tonight, Mr. Bischoff. I'm gonna give them a piece of Hollywood. Do it, man, do
6: it! See, he chickened Hear out the music! So he just wants to pose for us. Is that the deal? You, you have to read between the lines to figure out this. Hogan just chickened out. Yeah, you're right. He's still ducking the total package.
0: What a great promo. I love him challenging Lex Luger, saying he's not in good enough shape. Come on. That's great stuff.
2: Heels lie, man. That's how that shit works.
0: I mean, it was it was Hogan 101, or at least Hollywood 101. He'd get his ass kicked on a pay-per-view, come out the next day. I wiped the floor with that goof. It was so great stuff. Such great stuff. And here comes Luger. Listen to this crowd.
6: cause there's someone else in the ring here. I don't know if Hogan's pumping it or piling it. He's doing both, actually. <laughs> <love you> <laughs> hey, well, what a reaction this is going to be. Oh, hey.
8: Wait a minute, Luger. You heard what the man said. Who do you think you are? You know, maybe you didn't hear me back there. Or maybe... You just wanted to come out here to see what a real body looked like. But look in my eyes, brother. There's no way in this lifetime that you could ever beat me in the squared circle where Hollywood rules. So pack your bags, pack your Hollywood wannabe body out of here and get out of my face before I destroy you.
9: Yeah, you heard him. Now I know what you and Sting have in common. You're both Hollywood wannabes. You wish you were half the man that Hollywood Hogan is. And you know what? You will never, ever be. You're not built for it. You're not smart enough. You are just not the man, Lugan. What?
6: Good! Go get him! Nail him. Randy Anderson's in the ring! He's had to give it a ball! Hogan's down! Potty with that bionic
0: forearm! What a fucking hot start, Eric. How great is this? It's
4: So good.
0: I mean, here comes the rest so of the good. NWO. And by the way, Hogan and Hall, Nash, and Waltman all wearing white NWO shirts with black imprint. Total opposite of what we've normally seen. But why not? At this point. Most of the crowd already has a black and white NWO shirt. Why not a white and black NWO shirt? Yeah, we would have gone
2: through the entire color spectrum had we had the opportunity to. But did you also notice when Hogan came out he was wearing the uh he was wearing an Xbox shirt?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Cube on the back. Kinda cool. And little I'll, detail. Little detail. And here we go. It doesn't make any sense, right? Because we didn't advertise the match. We didn't book the match. It was a spontaneous combustion. But guess what? The audience loves spontaneous combustion. They love things to happen that they didn't expect. It feels like free shit, and they respond accordingly. It was great. It was not a five-star match or four-star match. What are they? Fours or fives? What's the ultimate star match?
0: I get, Well, it used to be five, but now I think there's a seven-star match out there, whatever that means. Is it really? I want to mention uh this is Hulk Hogan's first singles match in WCW since February. It's the first time Hogan is wrestling on Nitro since January. And you're coming you're coming head to head here with a Monday night raw that's right around the king of the ring that's totally focused on Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin and the Hart Foundation. But of course, Sean's going to walk out of the building because he had the big dust up with Bret Hart. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting because at the time that show is in Hartford, Connecticut. And so when, when Sean walks out and he knows his best friends are here, there's a lot of folks who believe that Sean's threat to show up on nitro is credible because Sean walks out, right? So there's a lot of turmoil over there with him and Brett. And we're only in Boston. So hard for Connecticut to Boston. He'd have to hustle, but he could have made it. Uh, ultimately we know he did not, but during the day, do you remember hearing Brett and Sean got in a real fight for real? And he walked out. No, did not hear that
2: at all. I didn't hear about it till probably the next day or day after that. Um, and look at at that time we were already knee deep in all kinds of litigation and if, if for fans who are watching at home, or maybe, you know, to the extent that the internet was a, a thing better. Well, here we go. Look,
7: Look at this. this. Look at this. Let's hear this.
6: Hulk Hogan clearly said I quit. Now here's where the NWO's at their best.
0: Hulk Hogan just submitted to the torture rack, and immediately the referee calls for the bell. Lex Luger has won the match, but it's non-title. Uh, and now Hogan's shit can, to the referee and the NWO is just beating down Lex Luger. It's three on one about to be four on one, maybe five on one, but really phenomenal stuff. The whole match goes six minutes uh, w- with the commercial and you got Hulk Hogan to lose on TV in six minutes. And they even took a commercial. And now you see the start of the second hour lot to unpack here. And wow. I want to mention you did this at the end of this first hour to make sure nobody changes the channel, right? That was it, brother.
2: That was some masterful formatting
0: right there. And
2: controlling your audience. It's really what it is, is dialing your format in to such an extent and hitting the spots that you know the audience, not only in the arena, are gonna to react to, the people at home are gonna to react to. By the way, by any chance, do you have the head to head uh, rating comparison for the show,
0: 3.4 for nitro 2.2 2 for raw you kick their Ooh, ass. That's
2: a, that's an ouch.
0: Yes, it is. That left a mark. I want to be clear. Lex is the only guy up until 1997 to get two submission victories over Hulk Hogan in such a short time span. He'll get another one on nitro 100 for the WCW title. It's a big damn deal. Um, of course, as a reminder, we're going to be trying to set up Hulk and Rodman against giant and the Luger, uh, opportunity. Uh, and, and we're doing that in July. Of course, this is June, but that's going to be the July show. So we're laying the groundwork here, but this is just fantastic stuff here. Um, what an interesting way though, to lay the groundwork for July, you know, with Luger on the opposite side. Yeah.
2: Um, I gave Luger a lot of credibility going into
0: this thing. Or going into what we're going to see in July, man. What a fun show so far. It's no wonder this is such a hot product. I mean, an, a relatively impromptu Hulk Hogan, Hollywood, I mean, uh, uh Hollywood Hogan, Lex Luger match. I think a lot of people assumed it would be the main event for the title. That's the way Lex sort of laid the groundwork earlier. And look at you just mugging with your pal in the big gold belt. Let's track this. You damn heel.
8: Bring with you at bash the beat. Well, you know something, brother, <laughs> Dirty Dog, one brother, Dennis Rod the Bod, was watching tonight, and I told him I was going to beat up Luger and the Giant, too. Well, I'm sorry, Rod the Bod, but mwah, I'll make it up to you. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
9: Luger Giant, you want a piece of that? You want a piece of the giant? You want a piece of the giant? You're going to get it. I'd ride right, I can't wait. This is the man. Do you love him or
8: oh, what?
0: Oh. Impromptu, no scripts, off the cuff. We talked earlier about the, the crowd looking a little different. There's a perfect example. Ah, she looked a little different. For years and years, <laughs> it felt like wrestling had become you know, more about families and little kids. I mean, that's what Hulkamani was originally built on in the eighties. And that was certainly the thing you look in the crowd now though. And you do start to see more black t-shirts, more teenage guys, more adolescents, more, you know, more young, hot women, more women, more drinking age, college kids. Uh, it's a different, there's a couple of kids here, but boy, years ago, the WCW crowd and, and, and those kids, by the way, they're wearing heel shit. They're not wearing sting shirts. But a few years ago, buddy, they were all about, you know, the stings and the Steiner brothers. And now man, heels are cool. Wrestling is cool. And it's a different audience. And Nitro had a lot to do with that. Did it not? Sure did, man. What a fun time.
2: I hear myself saying that so much when we do, but these it's
0: real 1997 shows. And here's JJ Dillon. And of course he's the on-air figurehead commissioner. He's he's the the boss of WCW and storylines. Let's take a listen.
5: You had to endure last week. I wanted to get you out here at the earliest possible moment to address what's got to be primary in the minds of many. Some of the issues that face you myself and our entire organization tonight.
1: Well, Gene one week ago, how are you? By the way, I had my bell run pretty good and it wasn't the first time, but I certainly hope it's the last time. Now, you know me long enough and well enough to know that as long as I'm in a position of authority with World Championship Wrestling, there's no way that I can let more than a week go by without holding Macho Man Randy Savage accountable for his actions one week ago. As far as I'm concerned,
5: James, it could not
1: come soon enough. It has to happen. Well, there's a couple ways that the Executive Committee could have looked at this. First of all, a fine, I think, was in order. And if Major League Baseball could fine Albert Bell $5,000 for an obscene gesture, I feel that my recommendation to the committee of a fine to Macho Man Randy Savage of $50,000 was appropriate.
5: I agree with that wholeheartedly. He'll never pick up another dinner check.
1: And I'm very happy that the committee saw fit to approve my recommendation. Now also, we were looking at a possible suspension and a suspension might have taken him out of that match this week at the Great American Bash. Now, Savage has been suspended before, and I'm not so sure that if we had gone ahead and suspended him, that we wouldn't have played right into his
5: hands. I agree with you.
1: Because he's tried everything, Mean Gene. He's tried everything to stop Diamond Dallas Page, and nothing has stopped Page so far because he's a man on a mission. But Macho Man Savage is, 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 is desperate. So the suspension is not gonna take place, but at the Great American Bash this weekend there will be a few added stipulations. Let's hear them. First of all, this will no longer be a match sanctioned by World Championship Wrestling. This is a lights out match. A lights out match, and not sanctioned. We're talking about no disqualification. No DQ. No count out. No count outs. Falls can take place anywhere in the building. whoa Gene Okelin. Macho Man Randy Savage, Diamond Dallas Page, Great American Bash, there will be a winner. Hold on a second.
5: Mr. Dillon, JJ. I don't know if I just... Over here! Where? Where is he? yeah.
8: I've got $100,000. That says... 50000 for last week, 50000 for this week, when I come down there and do it again.
5: You're not going to get away with that, Savage.
1: Gene, I don't like the looks of this. Even Randy Savage doesn't have a, a bottomless wallet. I'm serious. That mine's going to stay. And this weekend at the bash, there is going to be a winner.
8: Kill that music! Hey! Big Mouth! You're a real tough guy, aren't you? Smacking around an old man like
7: that. I went to talk to you earlier tonight, but you didn't have the time. Well, I see you got the time right now.
8: I say... Here's the place. God, look at that crowd. let right, oh. right now. Come on, Savage. Snap in today. Calm him down. Love to see it that happen. That was the dumbest move you've ever made. You're Time is ended right now. It's, it's coming
6: down. Oh, this is gonna be great. Let's get it over with right now. I wanna see this. Savage is going to make it through the fence here.
0: Fight right through the f- What a great segment this is, dude. You guys are just hitting a home run one after another, are you not? Know oh, yeah, we are. And I don't think you could see this. I
2: don't I don't know that people would have would be inclined to go through a crowd like that
0: with so little security anymore. Well,
2: you still say, know it. they've done it. We've, we've seen similar, but that was like insane.
0: Yeah. They were mobbing him. They were mobbing him for sure. So this DDP, uh, Randy Savage feud is actually going to quietly become the feud of the year from PW Insider. I think wrestling observer and think about that. It becomes feud of the year when Hulk Hogan and sting are going to hook it up at the end of the year, it's feud to the year when Steve Austin and Bret Hart are just tearing it up. Uh, just a masterful job. It really leveled up diamond Dallas page. His career was never the same again. And I thought JJ Dillon did a more than passable job as your figurehead commissioner. It makes me, no. I, 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 I'm glad you pointed that out, brother. He, he
2: yeah, he, I don't think it could have been done better by anybody. He, it was so fun to watch JJ. Cause it's like old school, right? it's the commissioner that, that authority figure that's really there to set the stakes, change the stakes or explain why we're doing what we're doing, but doing it in the voice of authority so that from a storyline perspective, it makes sense for the audience. It's narrative. It's right. It's, if you were reading a book, it would be, you know, six pages of backstory to help advance the story going forward. Uh, JJ did, did a phenomenal job of making that sound so believable, incredible, and allowing the audience to get to buy into it so that it all made sense. And it escalated in the anticipation. I just hats off to JJ, man. He did a phenomenal job.
0: We're seeing uh, Lee Marshall here do an update. I'm at one hour 40. If you want to go ahead and press pause, we're at one hour 40 uh, and Eric, the reason I wanted to go ahead and press pause is because we need to talk about super speciosa. It's become such a regular part of your life. And I have to admit a few years ago, I didn't even know what the heck Kratom was. Uh, but then I started to hear Eric talk about it. And the next thing I know, my buddy, Corey, Ryan Forrester, the stand-up standup comedians talking about it. Cassio kid, my very best friend, his wife, big booty Judy's talking about it. I had to do a little uh, investigating if you will. It turns out kratom is all natural. It's an ancient super leaf related to the coffee plant that's been used in Thailand for centuries. Kratom helps you energize your mind and relax your body. It just helps you feel good without feeling impaired. And super speciosa, uh, sp- sp- easy for me to say, super speciosa only has one ingredient pure kratom leaf. All of super speciosa's batches come with certified lab reports so you know exactly what you're getting. Super Speciosa offers Kratom powder, capsules, tablets, and teas. And this has been something that has been a regular part, not only of your life, but of our program here. Right, Eric? It is in more ways than one. Not only are we talking about a great product in
2: Super Speciosa and their Kratom products, but the fact that this podcast uh, gets on the air sometimes at 6 o'clock in the morning or is recorded at 6 o'clock in the morning is doing large part. To super speciosa and the kratom products in general, I've been using it now for quite a while. In fact, I think I introduced uh, Casio and Big Booty yeah. Judy to the yeah. product. Actually, bought some uh, here in Wyoming and had to ship it to him because he was totally unfamiliar with the product. And uh, you know, it's it's a look. It, it it's all natural. It's a phenomenal product. I use it almost every day. Uh, not so much on the weekends when I don't have a lot to do. Unless I'm recording with you, that kind of throws things around a little bit. But use it when I want to focus, when I want to be really clear-headed, but without all the jitters and the you know the crash you know that you get with caffeine. And I love my caffeine, but it doesn't come close to getting me where I want to be mentally. And just that, I know you, you talk about it, but I want people to really listen to what you said because you do get that sense of well-being with the product. You just feel great. Yeah, you can go out and accomplish anything. I love that feeling. And it's largely because of super speciosa and the great products that they provide us.
0: So you get an extra boost of energy in the morning. Almost think of it as like your coffee replacement. You can wind down and relax after work with it, or it serves as a a pre-workout or post-workout for recovery. And for beginners, we recommend capsules or teas because they're easy to use. We also recommend the green strains because they're our most popular. This is a 100% satisfaction or your money back guarantee so why not try Kratom right now and get twenty percent off? Go to get com forward slash eighty-three weeks and get twenty percent off with promo code eighty-three weeks. That's get superleaf.com forward slash eighty-three weeks and use the code eighty-three weeks for twenty percent off. This has been a regular part of Eric's life for a long time. Go see what the fuss is all about. Check out Super Speciosa right now at getsuperleaf.com forward slash eighty-three weeks. And Eric Back on the program, I'm at, uh, one hour, 40 seconds. So one hour, 40 seconds. Are you ready? I am ready, sir. Here we go. In three, two, one
6: forward to being in chicago next monday the following monday on the 23rd macon coliseum and macon georgia for wcw monday nitro and then on the 30th of june wcw monday nitro the mgm grand garden arena tickets available there at the box office and Ticketmaster. a lot of the stars in the entertainment industry will be going to the tyson holyfield fight two days earlier will be
0: His debut that so you heard the tease there, you know, just to add context to this, Mike Tyson is still the King of pay-per-view. He came back in 1995 after being in prison for a few years and he knocked out Peter McNeely and then everybody wanted to know, can he beat a Vander Holyfield and his fight with Evander Vander is going to go down uh, a huge match. That was going to set all kinds of records at the end of June in Las Vegas. And of course, famously, that's when you guys are running head to head with that at the great Western forum over in LA. So just to add context to what we talked about with that 4,000 ticket deal, LA and, and Vegas are not too terribly far away. If you go to a big fight in Vegas, a good chunk of those folks are California folks that just drove over either way. Just wanted to add context. There's rumors in the observer that you guys are actually talking to Mike Tyson and he might actually be at that nitro just a couple of days after his fight with Evander. we know it didn't wind up happening, but just to, again, give context to what we're saying. This is 1997. We wouldn't see Mike Tyson show up on WWE programming until January of 98. a uh, lot of craziness, a lot of opportunity, a lot of momentum for WCW here.
2: Yeah, there was, and I don't know how that rumor, uh, about the possibility of Tyson showing up got started. Um, I don't know. Could have just, I don't know. It's a weird one. Um, I wish I would have had a chance to talk to Tyson. Uh, I wish that opportunity would have been real, but, uh, it was fiction. Didn't happen. Never happened. Never had a conversation with Mike Tyson. Never had a conversation with somebody to have a conversation with Mike Tyson. So just more kind of silliness.
0: So this is a, a real horseman. Uh, the United States champion, Mr. Dean Malenko taking on a wannabe horseman dressed in Venetian blinds. Uh, Mr. Double J Jeff Jarrett. And of course we know these days, as I've joked about on the program before, if cats have nine lives, somehow Jarrett's have 10 Jeff Jarrett is now a vice president in charge of, uh, live events for WWE. Did anybody have that on their bingo card this year? Eric? No, no, sir. And probably Jeff didn't
2: either, but good for Jeff. You know, Jeff loves. He's been in and around the wrestling business for the most part his entire life. It's what his true love is, um, aside from Karen and his family, of course. But I'm really happy for Jeff and and he's where he should be. So congrats, my friend.
0: This is going to be a pretty good match, too. Meltzer is going to give it two and three- quarter stars. Jarrett's going to wind up walking out with the U.S. title after 14 minutes and six seconds. He's going to win with a figure four. But Eddie Guerrero is going to give the assist here when he gives Dean a frog splash. And Meltzer would say the match was technically good, but little got in the way of the crowd reaction as it was clearly a crowd that came to see star power and didn't care about the quality of the matches. That is something that I think is interesting because the star power is really what sells tickets. At least that's always been my understanding is that it's the stars in the stories more so than the matches, but I'm sure some people would argue that. Where do you land on that? Is it stars and stories, or is it matches? First, stories
2: and stars. Yeah. A great story can make a great star. There you go. Um, a great star can't make a bad story a good story. So I'd say first stories, then stars. But you have to have a you have to have a solid match. You you can't go out there and shit the bed. Um, but I, I think the the average fan. I'm not going to say hardcore or, or casual. Your average fan across America is watching the product on television for the stories of the stars. And if the matches are adequate to advance their emotion or support their investment, that's all that's required. Now you're, occasionally you're going to have you know certain performers that are known for going out there and burning it up. And that's great. That's what their luchadors did. That's what the cruiserweights were for in our format. Their job was to go out and create those human. I called them when I sat down with Dean Malenko in this match and, and Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, when I had my first meeting with them, I said, here's what you guys are here for. You're going to be my human car crash at nine o'clock in the crossover. This is why I want you to go out and do what you guys can do better than anybody else. And no one else can do it, but you. So you, it's an important thing to have match quality first occasionally, but I think when you get to the point where your focus is all match quality and, and, and the technical aspects of a match more than anything, when the focus is on the technical aspect of wrestling and story and character become secondary or even less, I think the product suffers, and you're not going to get the television audience that we had here.
0: Such a, a fun, uh, time in WCW and everybody wants to be a part. Um, that's, that's apparent. Here's something from the observer. There are people who expect Kevin Sullivan to make a surprise appearance on June 9th because the Boston show is such a big deal to him since that's where he grew up. Supposedly he's still not due back for a few more weeks. Most of the feeling now is he'll be back as Booker on his return. Although there are wrestlers with clout who have complained to Eric Bischoff and they want to have Terry Taylor stay in the spot. Now I bring this up because when we talked about the six man, uh, at that opened the show with the luchas, this was also in the observer, several in WCW in particular, Conan and Tanay, have been trying to make Mexican trios matches, a regular feature on nitro and pay-per-view shows after the clash match in Denver and pay-per-view match in San Francisco went so well, but Kevin Sullivan had other things on his agenda with Terry Taylor booking. He gave it a chance. So there was a lot of pressure on the guys to perform because if they had a sloppy match. They might not have gotten another shot. So let's talk about that. I, you know, I, I, do know that that Kevin Sullivan was high on bringing in this international talent. I know that he was watching other stuff in particular ECW. Uh, so he would have seen guys like whooventude and Rey Mysterio there if he didn't see them somewhere else. Uh, but I do understand that he's trying to serve a lot of masters here. You got a lot of big talent, got a lot of big egos, got a lot of big expectations from Turner for ratings and whatnot. And he's got to balance some of that, and he's also got to make you and the, and the Turner Brass happy. But I am curious, do you think there was a different approach or a different opportunity for Terry Taylor to try something new here in Kevin's absence?
2: No. I think that was just Dave Meltzer trying to create drama between Terry Taylor and, and, and Kevin Sullivan. Nothing that nothing that Dave said there was true, accurate, or existed my God, we've had been watching luchadors opening up and, and, and different combinations of luchadors for a long time. This was nothing new,
0: right? It just wasn't. Well, let's um, talk about the Kevin Sullivan situation. I, I know that we're, both of us think a lot of Kevin Sullivan and he had some personal stuff going on and we're not necessarily going to bag on him here and, 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 and shine a light on all that. That's a topic for another day, but he's out and he might be a question mark of, Hey, should we bring him back? Can we put him in the same spot? Is this too much for him? Is this a bad circumstance? Is he in a bad place personally? There's a lot to consider. Terry Taylor, another guy who's a part of the WCW army, for lack of a better word, at this point, he's uh, a, a staple with the company. And I think that would change every now and again. He'd play hokey pokey with you guys in the WWF. But I'm curious from your perspective, did you have more confidence in Kevin Sullivan's ability to steer the ship here, even if he did have some personal stuff going on, or did you think, man, Terry Taylor's more of a corporate guy. Maybe I should do that. Terry was Terry appeared, you know, the
2: the perception of Terry was very much of a corporate guy. Um, Terry was good at that. It it, it was natural for him. Terry carried himself for the most part as a professional. Um, Terry was really good, you know, Terry Taylor had glimpses, not even glimpses. There were oftentimes when Terry's perspective on a story or laying out a match or an angle or even a promo, you know, I would sit back and listen to him go, Ooh, yeah, this, this one gets it, you know, not gets it. That's the wrong way of saying it. That's like making myself sound like the wizard of Oz and recognizing someone that was on my level. Let me state that a little differently. There were times when I would hear Terry explain in detail why he believed in a story or whatever it was laying out a match or finish. And I was under that learning tree. I was, I was impressed with what I was hearing, but Terry would get in his own way. As much of a professional as Terry could be from time to time, there were times when he was the exact opposite of that. So as much as much respect for I had as I had for Terry's creative instincts and direction, which truth be known, I think Terry Taylor to me exhibited a phenomenal amount of potential to be a head booker, but he would get in his own way professionally. And And it was serious enough that you just, you couldn't take the chance of putting someone. That's a tough thing about being putting somebody in charge of creative like that, especially somebody who has such deep pre-existing relationships with certain talents. You put that person same thing happened to Ric Flair. You take Ric Flair, put him in that spot. Who better on paper? Who better to be they had a creative than Ric Flair? And just in terms of experience, what you've seen, what you've done, who better? But man. Talk about putting a guy, you know, in, in a crossfire. It's, it's a horrible, tough spot to be in. And if someone is an incredibly stable emotionally, professionally, it is not the spot for them to be in. That's what happened to Kevin here. So I think he had a lot of not no sole reason, but there were. It was a large part of the reasons why Kevin was struggling and needed some time off. And it's the same reason that I couldn't put Terry in that spot permanently because I, it was too high of a risk.
0: We're seeing a pretty good match here. You know, again, the fans aren't necessarily emotionally invested. Maybe they don't like the story. Maybe they don't think they're big enough stars, whatever the, the case may be. But Jeff Jarrett is uh, clearly a hateable character. I mean, to the point that even when we started uh, doing a podcast, I saw a ton of feedback that was like, oh man, I'll never listen to a Jeff Jarrett podcast. I hated that guy and those same people a few weeks later would say, okay, uh, I was wrong. This is one of my favorite new podcasts. He's a great guy. That's the trick of being a heel. He wasn't a cool heel. He wasn't a likable heel. He wasn't a fun heel. There was nothing likable about Jeff Jarrett. He's a heel, but bell to bell brother knew how to tell some stories and put on some matches. Did he not? He certainly did. Certainly did. There's not many people that in the ring
2: Uh, again, when that's, talking about star power here or how much money anybody drew. I'm just talking about telling a story in the ring in a way that's believable. Not many people. There are some. no doubt about it. The Bret hearts of the world and others that probably better than Jeff Jarrett at the art form. But he is in a small class of that type of performer, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, he's right up there. He's so, he was so good. And he could teach it. That's the other thing cool about Jeff. He could, some people can do, but can't teach. Some people can teach, but can't do Jeff Jarrett could do it and teach it. Very rare.
0: There's the frog splash, by the way, Eddie Guerrero removed the sling to show. Nope. I'm playing possum. I'm fine. Of course, Deborah's out here uh, trying to convince her man to turn around, take advantage of this. And here goes double J let's track it.
6: But he's gonna put on the figure four! And he's got it on! Malenko is hurt! He's not gonna be able to fight out of this! He's gonna have to roll to those ropes again! He's gonna try to get to the ropes again! Or turn it over! He'll never give up! He'll never give up! Malenko trying to shut out the pain! Oh my goodness! He cannot! Jeff Garrett has won the United States Heavyweight Championship! Courtesy of Eddie Guerrero! Courtesy of Eddie Guerrero is right. A new champion crowned here in Boston here
0: on nitro pretty eventful show, dude, you know, with, with Lex Luger beating Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan submits, uh, he, you know, then the, we had the big Steiner brawl with the Harlem heat, the, the limo window kicked out and it's a, a big time fight now with DDP and, uh, and Randy Savage. Every time you turn around, there's something cool happening. And, and here's yet another example. Uh, we've got a new us champ and now you see Dean Malenko in the background. What a great shot here that Jackie Crockett's getting where you see Jeff Jarrett, putting on Dean Malenko's belt and Dean just picking up the sling, the arm sling that Eddie Grail left behind. Like what in the world? And I just think that's a, a, a brilliant little detail there. Is it not that he gets attacked? Didn't see it coming, but when he comes to and realizes, wait a minute, Jeff wasn't wearing an arm sling. I wasn't wearing an arm sling. It's that damn Eddie Guerrero. That's good stuff, is it not? Yeah, it really was. So subtle but so powerful at the same time. And Jackie did get a great
2: shot of it. We're getting another good look at it here. And then we go to
0: Jimmy Hart. Come on.
5: Ming and the Barbarian, it's got to stop tonight. You promised us a surprise. What about it? Benoit, you got to be careful what you wish for because, you see, it might just come true. Now, Benoit, let me introduce to you your third and final step. What is this? What kind of a boy is this? First bang, then the mark. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. He's back.
6: Kevin Sullivan's alive. Kevin Sullivan and Jacqueline, they have returned. <laughs> Where have you been, Sullivan. Well,
4: I haven't been in the Fleet Center, and I haven't been in Boston. They say you can never go home again. Well, I just proved everybody wrong because I'm home, home, home at last. Listen to that. And I'm still alive. Because it's been a long time since I crossed that river and I made it in the wrestling business. And I want to thank my people that are home,
5: home, home with me. But what does that mean for Chris Benoit? It means really
4: this. Jimmy Hart, I've never asked any man to do my fighting for him. But I see at the pay-per-view, Benoit has taken on the baddest man in the planet, Ming. All I want to say is this: Jimmy Hart, you guys stand back. Jeffy, please step aside, Jack. Benoit, I know you're in the building. Let's not. Don't touch him. Let's not drag this anything further. What do you want else do you want to take from me? My soul! We ain't gonna take in my hometown!
5: Come on out! All right, Kevin Sullivan calling for
6: hey, Chris Benoit! Hold on, gentlemen! Hold on out again! Jackie, get over here! Yeah! Here they go! Look at this!
0: Yet another brawl with Chris Benoit and Kevin Sullivan. Lots of brawling, lots of fighting. Uh this is a loaded show as far as feuds and brawls and physicality. Uh is that because Boston is a rowdy crowd? Is that because the story is what's selling it? Uh, wh- where do you land on, is this too much brawling and fighting or is this just the right mix?
2: No, is the right mix? It, look, I always believe that, um, again, uh, anticipation. How do you build anticipation? Uh, one of the ways you build an anticipation is by having conflict and contact, physicality, not in the ring with a bell and a ref, you know, and rematches. And I said, Oh, look at that
0: sign. <laughs> Got to get a great shot of that, uh, do we not? Uh, I probably
2: gave somebody a bonus for that shot. But oftentimes, the way you create that anticipation and still delivery on the physicality is the kind of scenes that you've seen here. They advance the story. We did it with Diamond Dallas Page. That made people want to see the story more. When you saw Medusa hit the ring, that made you want to see that match even more because we didn't do too much of it. I'm, I'm going to be critical here. I love Kevin Sullivan. He's one of my favorite people. Uh, I can't wait to see him again. I enjoy getting together with him and reminiscing. But that was too much. That was just too much. It was the exact opposite of what we saw with Steiners and Harlem Eat. So it was a perfect example of what not to do in that kind of a scene. If it would have been 65% shorter, I would have bought into it, but they lost me.
0: We see the NWO coming to the ring here, and I'm at 120.01. So, Eric, press pause and find 120.01. And we're going to tell people about something that, well, we're all having to deal with. And that's because we're dudes, right? Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. In fact, more than 50 million men in the U S suffer from some form of male pattern baldness. And that's why Eric and I recommend keeps because keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. You know what else keeps has? Well, there are only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss and keeps offers both keeps offers a simple, affordable and stress-free way to keep your hair through convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months, meaning you don't even have to leave your home. They've also got 24 7 care and support. Keeps has a network of expert medical advisors, prescribers, and care specialists to support you in making your hair goals a reality. It's also low cost, too. Treatments start at just $10 a month, and Keeps offers generic versions of the two FDA approved medications that prevent hair loss. Now, these treatment plans are affordable. How affordable? Well, typically like half the cost of pharmacy prices. Keeps has everything your hair needs delivered straight to your door with discreet packaging and proven results. Remember, prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so act fast. And when it comes time to save money and spend less and save your hair, you need Keeps. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com. Slash eighty three weeks to receive your first month of treatment free, that's keeps dot com slash eighty three weeks to get your first month free, that's k e e p s dot com slash eighty three weeks. And Eric, you've given a lot of credit over the years. That man, maybe this glorious hall of fame career you've created for yourself wouldn't have happened without a great head of hair, right? Truth be known, I really
2: don't have that much talent. Um, I was uh, I, I was. Re- <laughs> I really only got my break in the industry because of my hair. Vern Gagne was bald as a baby's butt. Vern Gagne took one look at me. He didn't care whether or not I could do color or play by play or whether I could do a promo and, you know, step in and take that role that Gene Okerlund had for so long. He didn't care about any of that. He didn't care that I didn't have any wrestling experience and I had never really been in front of a camera before, at least not a television camera. He didn't care about any of that. You know why he didn't care? Cause of my hair, <laughs> I had a glorious and still do. I don't rely upon it the way I used to, but my hair really, if you think about it, if you follow that spider web that weaves throughout your life and you could always track any one big moment to a moment that would otherwise be forgotten and not even acknowledged as significant, my hair is that moment cannot say enough good things about a good head of hair
0: check it out keeps.com forward slash 83 weeks and eric i'm at one hour 20 minutes and one second are you ready on your end in three two one play
6: this Sunday, that the same two teams will collide in. And over the years, I've covered World Tag Team Title bouts. I can't remember a bigger one than the Outsiders, Blair and Piper, the one coming up this Sunday at the Great American Bash. Well, Piper's the icon of this sport, and Blair's 13 times heavyweight champion of the world. And believe me, the NWO—they've got something in store.
0: So it's going to be a big match, a big main event. Uh there's a lot going on here. Can't wait for us to uh to watch this and cover the the fallout because this is a moment. The WCW incident took place after the conclusion of the Nitro show in Piper's dressing room when Nash came in to complain, blaming Piper for perhaps the single worst match thus far in 1997 when he and Scott Hall faced Piper and Flair in the Boston main event before the largest crowd and gate in WCW history. Flair and Piper were wrestling Hall and Nash in a non title match. The early part of the match consisted of Flair and Hall brawling in one corner and Piper and Nash in the other. Nash, compl- Nash claimed that Piper wasn't doing what they agreed on doing, although Nash also didn't appear to want to sell much for Piper. The match storyline was that Piper would work and sell the match, leading to Flair's hot tag. However, Piper looked horrible, and even with the star power, the match was killed and was well into the negative stars. Piper also called for the finish way early, about six minutes into a match that was scheduled for 12, which meant the post-match brawl to end the show literally lasted forever. After the show went off the air, it was Hogan and Savage, not Hall and Nash, who remained in the ring to brawl with Piper and Flair for Flair and Piper to clean house on. And Piper ended up in the ring, holding the WCW heavyweight tag team and cruiserweight belts in the air while Flair finished the fight. After the show Nash went to Piper's private dressing room and knocked on the door very hard. Apparently there was heat between Craig Malley, who's Piper's bodyguard. And he opened the door Nash, basically pie faced Piper, which is throwing someone a palm blow and shoving them into the wall. Piper tried to kick at Nash's bad knee before Malley and flair, who was there with Piper acted as peacemakers and quickly broke it up before anything serious took place but also leaving the heat between the two unresolved. According to two versions of the story, Nash and Malley nearly went at it as well, but Malley, who's obviously much smaller, backed down. Most of the internal heat within WCW was on Piper for not doing what they agreed to do in the ring and then calling for the finish early, making the show-ending brawl go so long it literally lost its focus as well. There have been problems with the Wolfpack, Flair, and Piper stemming from the beginning of the hype for the six-man tag in Charlotte, where Flair and Piper didn't want six in the match thinking he wasn't a big enough star where Kevin green didn't want to turn on flair as the company wanted at one point, the entire match was in jeopardy because Piper didn't want his team to lose, which was the original plan. And since he has creative control in his programs, he asked to do a singles match with six who he liked personally and thought he could prove he could still work, but felt he needed to prove it to some of the wrestlers who saw him as existing totally off of his past made name. And he thought he could have a good match with him. They compromised and the NWO team not only agreed to do the job, but to have six do it because that would have been the predictable finish. Instead, having all three basically do the job at the same time to show they were the more professional of the two teams. The company feeling in WCW seems to be that everyone will be professional and the match on June 15th won't be ruined. After that point, they'll all be programmed in a different direction and Piper will be feuding with Flair and kept apart from Hall and Nash. So those problems in the ring regarding selling and the like won't be an issue. So a lot to unpack here and Meltzer would say, this is just systematic of of the nature of the beast of wrestling here, but we're watching the match here and I want you to pay special attention to, do you think Nash is really selling for Piper did Nash have a reason to be upset? And I wanted to ask you, do you recall Piper calling the match to go home in about half the time it was originally scheduled for?
2: I I, I don't remember that. Rick Flair would be the one to ask that. Um, as far as everything Dave said, you said one thing that totally blew up everything else that he said before and after, which is creative control, control, which is a fucking lie, Dave.
0: Yeah.
2: It just, it was a lie and it's out there in the narrative and everybody thinks everybody had creative control and it's because of lies from guys like Dave Belzer that perpetrated that fraud. But as far as, you know, I'm going to watch the match closely to try to figure out like everybody else, what happened there. I can't take anything that Dave said. First of all, I was in the room when that shit went down, by the way. It wasn't another lie. Mally wasn't even in the room that I can recall. If he was, he was in a corner somewhere. Uh, And it wasn't, you know, Piper's private dressing room um, because we were all there. I was in the room as well. There were several others in the room. Notably absent was Dave Meltzer, who gave a blow-by-blow description of what happened. So and, and that's for that reason, I can't comment on what is obvious to me a bunch of nonsense and lies and distortion. So just watch the match and try to figure it out. Rick will be able to remember because Rick's got an amazing memory um, if this thing went home early and or why. Let, let's talk about, you know, did Nash sell or not sell for Piper? What do you think? Probably not as much as Piper wanted him to. But look at the different. How do you sell? That's a bad – I've talked about this before with with in, with regard to Paul White, the giant. It's hard for guys as big as Kevin Nash to believably sell for someone who is half his size. Now, if you happen to be Roddy Piper and half of Nash's size, half is an exaggeration, go ahead, correct me on social media. I get it. But you get my point. You know, Piper is going to want him to sell. More than he was selling, but it's tough to do without losing your credibility. When you're as big as Kevin Nash, could that have been an issue? Sure. I can see that, but was it fair? Maybe not. Probably not. What was Piper? What have you seen? Okay. Selling a nut shot.
0: They yeah, did.
2: Come on. How do you sell a nut shot better than that? Right. So I'm I'm having a hard time buying any of that nonsense that what's his name is spewing here, because that's what he does spews. He did it then he's doing it now. As far as the heat between, you know, Piper and Xbox or anybody thinking he wasn't a big enough star. I I don't recall hearing that man. Again, I'm going to say it. Maybe it happened. When I wasn't around, maybe those were conversations at the bar or in a car on the next town or on the way to the airport or whatever the case may be. But I I just don't believe it. And based on what I'm seeing here, look at hall selling his ass off.
0: There's nine minutes left. I just want to let everybody know the referee's thrown the match out and you could see there was a moment there where it looked like to me, Piper told Mark Curtis, Hey, we're going home early. And now. I don't know how many minutes this was supposed to be for the post-match brawl, but I would guess three because there's nine minutes left. It was reported that the match went six minutes and it was supposed to go 12. But normally you don't have a nine minute brawl. You have a a two or three minute brawl. And then you hear Tony Schiavone yell,
2: we gotta go. Yeah. But look, I was still looking in the corner. Nash is selling his ass off for Piper. Yes. So the the whole Dave Meltzer bullshit is got it. This isn't obvious to people. Who question why I get so upset or maybe, you know, don't necessarily think that my point of view is, is right. You're seeing it right before your eyes. You heard the report and now you're seeing it. How else could ne- Kevin Nash have sold for anybody, including Roddy Piper without looking like a complete fucking idiot. Now, did the match go home early? Maybe, maybe not. But again, just because they've said it doesn't certainly doesn't make it true.
0: Now the whole NWO of course is coming out. This is going to be a, a pretty memorable finish. Here's Kevin green, Kevin green's coming in to save some folks. Mongos in there, uh, Jeff Jarrett with the horseman's in there. We got a pier six brawl going still plenty of time left, but we're all over the place here.
2: And I would, whoa, That was a stiff shot from Kevin green that by the way, isn't really good at throwing working shots at that point. Um, the one you know the the one reason I would believe that we went home early, notwithstanding all of the fiction that that we heard about
0: early on and your coverage of this from Dave um oh is, look the Harlem Heat comes out to check and see hey we're gonna get involved in this yeah he wasn't Steiners, into the ring though huh he
2: was no. like yeah I think I'm gonna wait a few minutes before I get there because we got a long way to go
0: and Scott Steiner and Rick Steiner said nope forget that if you're going out there we are too and we don't want the NWO. we want you guys. So this feels like an audible is called where maybe because you went home early, you just need whatever you can. So maybe in the backstage area, you guys are saying, Hey, get out there. Hey, you get out there. I mean, here comes Doug Dillinger on his way to start. I, I,
2: I can see that. I could see that happening. I was about to say, I do feel like this went home early. I just don't think it's because of any of the reasons that we heard. I just really don't. I think that was all made up nonsense to try to create a, a, you know, a soap opera that didn't exist to sell subscriptions. That's what that was.
0: Uh, Derek Trum uh, over on social media says, "I was at the Boston show. I was not at the Boston show, but I had friends at the show. And for years, they swore at the end of the show that Kevin Nash got on the house mic and apologized for a lame ending to the show. Any recall of that? I always assumed no. they just lied.
2: I." I mean, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just don't remember it happening. And did he do it within the context of, uh, of his character or did he break character and do it? I I don't know. I'd have to go back and see it, which probably is impossible.
0: There's one thing that's going to happen here. That's pretty damn special and pretty memorable. I believe, uh, before we see that though, I want to ask Bobby Duncan wants to know, Eric, you've stated in the past buildings were booked several months in advance. When did your team start booking larger buildings due to the success of nitro?
2: Oh probably towards the end of ninety six yeah it's probably when we went okay let's let's see what happens <laughs> let's see what happens
0: uh Brad Stanton wants to know Rodman was a unique character how did he fit in with the boys
2: Rodman was uh Dennis he he, he was in it you've talked about this before Dennis is really an introvert um maybe not clinically, but in terms of what i've when I've been around him and seen him. Um, despite his, you know, flamboyant and outrageous character and persona that you see on camera backstage. He's very, very quiet, very much of an introvert friendly, but I think he felt kind of out of place in, in his own way. I don't want to say in awe, but he certainly had a lot of respect um, for talent and he was very quiet. He got along with everybody, but he wasn't that outgoing character that you would think he might be.
0: It's super fun uh to think about um what all happened on this day in professional wrestling. As a reminder, earlier in the day before Raw went live, Bret Hart and Scott Hall, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels got into a real life fight, and Shawn Michaels wound up uh, without a clump of hair because Brett kept it as a little keepsake and Sean walked out threatening to go to this show saying this was an unsafe working environment. He, <laughs> it, this is a major moment in, in their feud. And in the story, that's going to become the, the Montreal screw job story at the end of the year, but that happened. That fight happened before raw went on the air after nitro goes off the air. There's a the same day. Now that's when the Piper Nash incident happens. What are the odds of that, man?
2: Everybody's just on edge, man. All that success is getting them all for clumped. Is that a word for clumped?
0: It for is. Clumped? We'll go with clumped. it.
2: Yeah. But again, I was, in, it was interesting to note. Now it worked at the tail end of this smudge. And I still saw Kevin Nash feeding for Roddy Piper. So I'm not buying any of Dave's nonsense. I hate even saying his name. I'm not buying anybody's nonsense about this. All right. Pay but attention to what heard we're heard the seeing past.
0: I want everybody to pay attention. This is going to be a special moment that people still talk about. We saw, Whoa! we saw DDP early in the, in the program, wearing this black trench coat, wearing jeans and cowboy boots. Now we've got him back out here for the third time. I don't think he's wearing cowboy boots anymore. He's wearing his wrestling boots, but he definitely still has on the jeans, the t-shirt and the black trench coat. Now you might be re- thinking, why in the world is DDP wearing a black trench coat? I've never seen him wear a black trench coat. Well, it didn't make sense back then, except we thought, well, maybe that's just what he's wearing in the backstage area. But it's about to make sense. I want to track this.
6: My life, Sting has arrived. Sting has arrived. DDP down on his feet. He's got the belt,
8: and he's not backing down from anybody.
6: The twenty-two thousand standing here. He's holding everybody off, daring anyone to step in his way. As DDP is still out, he hit very hard that time, hit in the back with the Macho Man wants to get to him, hit in the back by Hogan. I've never seen anything in my life so out of control. This has been an absolutely breathtaking night of feuds, of bad blood, of hatred, of what had developed over a year between NWO and WCW, battle lines drawn like never before, as they try to sneak behind Sting, knowing that they can't get there, knowing that there's a bet. As we said,
2: this I is so cool. Imagine, oh, what
6: the great American battle oh, is like this? So is cool. It is going to be the loudest fight our sport has ever seen. In the history of our sport, I no, believe that. No question about it. What's he doing now? Look at Six this. Six days away, and this. Carnage everywhere. What's he doing? He's trying to revive him. Wow. Fence. Wow. Nitro. Oh, what a night. He's still holding them off. Oh it's my God. The DDP are gone. Look at that Story. Good night, everybody. I don't believe this.
0: DDP is gone. And so are we, everybody. In case you weren't watching, you should go watch. I'm covered in goosebumps right now. What a special magical moment it was. How dangerous it was. Just to recap. There's this Pier 6 brawl going on. Somehow Ric Flair and Roddy Piper have still survived. They're in the ring, but it's like 10 on 2 with the NWO. DDP runs in to try to help out. Quickly, he is dispersed to the outside. And what do you know? Down comes Sting very fast from the rafters. He unbuckles, points his bat, eventually starts to uh, hook up himself and DDP because the cord had to come back down. the the whole company's initiative was let's shoot away for a minute and show the NWO. It took a little longer than we would have liked. Eventually Kevin Nash says, okay, enough stalling. We got to fight. Guys start feeding, taking baseball bat shots. Eventually sting hooks up DDP points his bat to the ceiling. And eventually right as the show's going off the air zip, both they go into the rafters. What a visual and knowing what we know now about the way Owen Hart would pass away two years later, this is a very dangerous stunt. I don't think any of us really appreciated how dangerous it was at the time because we didn't have any context in professional wrestling for this sort of thing, but what a scary, cool, amazing visual, right?
2: It was and why Kevin Nash felt the need to go out and apologize for a flame finish to that show. I don't even believe that anymore. I don't that was that. one of the most exciting fit. Yeah. It, it got a, it got a little sluggish and they probably did, you know, go home a little bit too early prior to the brawl. But I'm not buying any of the rest of the narrative. What I saw, the way that show ended, the reaction from the crowd suggests to me that if Kevin uh, if Kevin had anything to say, it was in character. That's all I could say. That was just, I forgot all about that. I forgot all about that.
0: That is so friggin' cool. Psst. Who's going to take care of your family if something happens to you? what would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms, you're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to goliathlife.com. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. I love it so much. It's one of my favorite nitros of all time. One of the most important nitros of all time. I'm glad we got to revisit it. You set all kinds of records here and fans will never forget a handful of things in this, but specifically... DDP and sting going to the rafters afterwards, you guys were hitting on all cylinders. And, uh, unfortunately it's a shame that all good things must come to an end. And of course that makes me think about our friends over at goliathlife.com guys, you got homeowners insurance, you got car insurance, you got health insurance. Do you have life insurance? That's not about you or your silly car. It's about your family. It's about peace of mind. You can get one quick opportunity to type all this information in and get 20 quotes. Think about that. You type in your information and you get 20 quotes from 20 carriers just like that. You couldn't do this any faster, any easier than at GoliathLife.com. And at GoliathLife.com, you're in charge. You pick your payments, you pick your terms, and then you can even do all the application right there online, all in the comfort of your house. You do not have to leave your home to do this. Check it out right now at GoliathLife.com. Eric, this was a home run show. I always love talking about 1997 Nitros with you. This is a great example as to why I'm glad we got to do this one. And I'm excited for next week because we're doing something totally different. We're going to be watching ECW One Night Stand from 2005. How fun will that be? Oh, that'll be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I
2: had so much fun at that show. I know, you know, probably a lot of people think, oh, man, I bet you he was, you know, really didn't want to do that. It was the opposite. I had so much fun and I haven't seen it. So I'm dying to go back and see that show.
0: It's going to be a long show. It's going to be a three hour watch along, but I'm jazzed up for it. It was the best wrestling weekend of my life. And if I'm honest with you, Eric, this show, which happened in June of 2005 was my dream show as a fan, you know, when ECW went out, we didn't know it was their last show. It just sort of happened and it went away. This was the closure that a hardcore ECW fan like myself really wanted And that's kind of what I'm hoping to do with uh, Rick's last match on July 31st. We're doing a Jim Crockett promotion show. We've got the old set recreated. David Crockett and Tony Schiavone are going to be on the call. We've licensed the music. Wait till you see the ring skirts and the canvas and just the pomp and circumstance. We got Doug freaking Dillinger there. Are you kidding Mm. me? Come on. It's going to be something special. I hope you guys will join us. The tickets are sold out, but there's a chance there might be some new opportunities in the meantime, though, I know for sure you can pre-order it on fight. We have an opportunity for you to join us for all of Starcast. You'll get the roast, all of our panels, including Brett Hart and Brian Danielson and everybody else, but you'll also get to see Ric Flair's last match. There's a bundle that includes all of that for just 99 bucks. Of course you can buy the roast as a standalone. You can also buy the actual uh, show with Ric Flair's last match as a standalone. I think it's 34 bucks, but there's even an opportunity in there, Eric, where if you pre-order, you can get a piece of the canvas from Ric Flair's last match, him in his retirement robe in front of the old set with a little piece in the corner that's got a piece of the canvas from his last match. If you're a Ric Flair collector, that's pretty damn cool, is it not? It is. There's going to be so much emotion. I
2: mean, the fact that you put these people together, and, and I know it doesn't seem like a big thing, you know, to bring in Doug Dillinger, but that's a really, really big thing. It's going to change the tone. The fact that you've tied in so much of Jim Crockett's promotions and the graphics and just, you've done such a great job with this. It's going to be a phenomenal event one that I wouldn't miss. I know I'm going to be there and I'm participating, but even if I wasn't, I would, I would make, I'd travel cross country to get to this one. This is, this is a once in a lifetime experience.
0: Check it out. It's starcast.com. That's S T A R R C A S T.com or Rick Flair's last match.com. And be sure to tell your friends about adfreeshows.com. every week. Uh, our pal, Eric is hooking up with John Alba. They're doing strictly business, talking about the business of professional wrestling. And next week we'll be talking about ECW one night stand 2005. And maybe hopefully we we'll hear from Mr. Khan sometime soon. I can't believe you opened the, uh, the forbidden door for our podcast here. All I hear are crickets. Stay tuned, boys and girls. It's going to be a fun year
6: right here on
0: 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff.